and Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, Now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Mr. GZ, thank you as always. Folks, ladies, gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Trap Draw Podcast. I'm Randy. I'm riding solo today. Special uh, holiday week podcast for you. I hope uh, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, I hope you're safe. I hope you're able to enjoy a little break this week with Thanksgiving and at least uh, relax and enjoy yourselves a bit. My conversation today, a return guest, I talked to him back in the spring prior to the second installment of this golf match series. It's TNT's Brian Anderson. He is the lead golf announcer for the match. He'll be doing the the third installment this Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on TNT out at Stone Canyon Golf Club in Arizona. In addition to his work for these televised matches. He is a broadcaster for TNT Basketball. You may have heard him. He did a lot of work down in the bubble uh, called the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and Nuggets. I want to ask him a little bit about that. And right from there, he actually went out west to San Diego and did baseball for Turner as well, I believe called the American League Championship Series. So he's been he's been quite the busy man. Uh, I, w- I want to talk to him about what it's been like from the NBA bubble to the baseball bubble, uh, and now back to golf, get a feel for that. And I also want to ask him about the match itself. What's what's changed from the second installment, what we can expect, this newest iteration. Um, so I'm excited to talk to him. Before I do so, I want to thank one of our sponsors for this episode, New Belgium Brewing. New Belgium is recognized as a leader in sustainability and social responsibility They were founded in 1991 in Fort Collins, Colorado, and expanded in 2016 with another brewery location in Asheville, North Carolina. Dedicated to proving that business can be a force for good, New Belgium is a certified B Corp and was the first brewery to join 1% for the planet. They are uh, a tremendous supporter of bicyclists as well. Uh, They do a lot of cool things around sustainability and they've donated over $26 million to charitable causes uh, since their founding in 1991. Hopefully you've seen some of their different brands in your local grocery store. I think their most famous one, their flagship beer, is Fat Tire Amber Ale. And then they have other year-round favorites like Voodoo Ranger IPA and a lot of other cool, I think, more niche and seasonal brews. They have a sparkling lime lager, which I've talked about in other episodes. It's it's my favorite. I can only find it in variety packs right now. I've been meaning to tell them, you know, if they could at least put that in a, in a six-pack for me, I'd love it. I mentioned previously they, they do a lot of great things around sustainability. One of those things, and you can check out the website www.drinksustainably.com, uh, Fat Tire, their flagship beer, is the first carbon-neutral beer, and New Belgium has a company-wide goal to be completely carbon-neutral by 2030. Um, if, if you haven't tried New Belgium beer, I would, I would urge you to check it out. You can find out where to locate your favorite New Belgium beer at www.newbelgium.com. They've been really good to us. They uh, put on a closest-to-the-pin competition at our NIT event giving away free beer for a year, which was a big hit. And yeah, we can't thank them enough for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now on to my conversation with Brian Anderson. Back with me, Brian Anderson. Good to talk to you, man. Welcome back. How are you? I feel like a regular on your uh, (laughs) podcast now. It's like uh, it's a recurring appearance yeah be on ca- the big randy podcast <laughs> be careful i don't know if you want that to become a thing but i i certainly will take it how far back does memorial day seem i mean we we did this what you know mid-may when we did the first one uh the show actually aired on memorial day at the end of may but it seems like ages ago it's funny ages. yeah it's funny you say that i i had the same thought i was like when i was because i went back and listened to it just you know making sure helping me with my prep and everything 
I was like, well, that was like last, that had to be like 18 months ago, right? And I was shocked. It was it was only back in May. <laughs> well, it's great to see the game of golf, though. It just this, I, I didn't realize it then. You kind of had a sense for it because I was actually playing golf during the shutdown and just the, the course was packed and everybody's walking and it was just a really great uh, experience around the courses in Milwaukee at that time. The weather was finally good. But, I, you know, now we're six months past that. And I think the match had the match um, two, I guess is the best way to put it. The second match uh, had a little bit of impact on that. But I do think the the game of golf has just been such the perfect recreation uh, during this time. And and I've loved seeing it explode the way it has. And I can tell you, I was in the NBA bubble for six and a half weeks. Everybody wanted to play golf. Everybody. People had never played. I gave more lessons and I'm, I'm not like a professional teacher, but I know enough to help people get started. And I gave more lessons and had more rounds of golf with people you would never expect. Um, referees and, you know, Chris Weber was out there every day hitting balls. And it was a really, it was a really good time, man. I, I'm, I'm really glad to see the game have this uh, renewed interest. Yeah, I, you couldn't quite design a better activity for being COVID safe. Uh, you know, just thinking back to like March when everything was really coming to a head and candidly, we were nervous. We didn't know, you know, being in the golf industry and having a business, like how we would be affected and, and what would happen with golf. And yeah, we, we consider ourselves fortunate. And I know folks in the golf industry have to feel fortunate as well that it, it is just well positioned. I mean, it's, it's kind of lucky, but, um, yeah, at least it's, hopefully it's given, folks something to do and I feel for you guys up in the in the north with the weather starting to change here back uh, back to colder weather hopefully you can kind of ride out the winter and and ho- hope for an early spring uh, next next March April if if that's possible in in Milwaukee you know the simulators have changed how we approach golf I mean places like top golf uh, yeah being able to take winter trips you know that's always uh, been available the winter trips, but Top Golf has really uh, been an interesting phenomenon to see the popularity of golf, and I think the simulators have had a similar um, impact, uh, a much smaller scale because you know my club has a simulator, uh, the Marquette University golf team here in Milwaukee they have a great setup indoor setup, so I think there's a lot of indoor options. We're seeing it in other sports, especially baseball, uh, outdoor sports in these northern uh, states, but man. Um, it's actually fun to kind of go back into the lab, let's say, and work on your swing and see where everything is. And uh, I love get, playing the different courses on the simulator and even just getting onto the practice tee and just kind of getting the numbers. So I, I do think um, golf's in a really good place now. And even in up here in the in the North Pole here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, <laughs> it's still accessible in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to I want to ask you about your experience in the in the bubble down in Orlando. But before I get there, let's uh, if if you don't mind, let's just knock out some of the 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 high level stuff around this this new iteration of the match. It's for folks that don't know, it's the match champions for change. It will be uh, Black Friday, November twenty seventh, three p.m. Eastern on TNT. It's going to be at Stone Canyon Golf Club in Oro Valley, Arizona. Let me start there. Have Have you seen the course yet? Have you had a chance to get out there and, and see it at all? No, no. Travel restrictions uh, haven't been down there yet, but I am going early, so I'll, I'll go in Wednesday morning. <clears throat> I'll spend all Wednesday. Trevor Immelman and I um, will, you know, we'll drive the course. <clears throat> we'll hit a few shots. Uh, Trevor doesn't like to play. Uh, he's got his notebook out, and so we'll 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 track it. Those guys will be out there on their practice rounds too. So we'll be able to spend some time with them. So we'll have, uh, you know, all day uh, Wednesday and then we'll have all day Thursday, but I've seen a bunch of aerials. I've gotten a lot of course information from, you know, Phil's people and it looks fantastic. You know, I was just talking to our director, Steve Byam too. I mean, we, we're going to be able to do a lot more than we were able to do at the match two, which was, uh, you know, in a downpour and just an absolute, uh, which made it very interesting. But as far as the technology side, which we were so excited about, we really weren't able to tap into what we had available. Uh, And I think we will be in Tucson. We feel pretty confident about that. So uh, to be able to break out the drone uh, footage and uh, and live drone footage too, um, 
it's it's going to be cool. And to be able to, for, for me, to have already seen some of the aerials that, that we've done, that's helpful to learn the golf course and see the beauty of it. And, you know, they've been working hard on, on a site survey to establish certain shots, certain times of the day where we know we're going to be, uh, have a general idea. So I think it's going to be really compelling to the visuals, you know, the aesthetics of it. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to getting down there. I know Phil's really proud of it and he's, you know, he rightly so he is, uh, excited to show off stone Canyon to the rest of the, of the world. Yeah. I was going to say for folks uh, who might not be aware it, the, the core stone Canyon is, I, I, I believe he designed it. He's part of the ownership group there as well. Is that, do you know the, the specifics didn't, didn't there? Design it, okay. Didn't design it, but you know, he, he bought it his ownership group or his, uh, you know, his, his company, and they've just put a lot into it. Okay. So I think they've completely elevated, you know, from an agronomy perspective, from a visual perspective, you know, there, there are villas around the place, there are houses around the place as well. And that's part of it. But I think, you know, the, the mountains are there and, you know, I think they were able to showcase a lot of that in a little bit different way. So yeah, it, he's, his, his, uh, his prints are all over it for sure. So even though he didn't design the golf course, uh, he definitely has had an impact there. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Phil, I, I failed to mention uh, the, the format, which I'm sure I, <laughs> I, probably a lot of listeners will already be aware. But in case you're not, it's going to be Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley on a team. So Sir Chuck is out of the broadcast booth onto the course, and they're going to be taking on uh, Stephen Curry and Peyton Manning. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's a modified all shot throughout. Is is that right? Almost throughout. It is. Okay. It is. There's going to be a scramble hole. Uh, I believe that's going to be 15. So there's a scramble hole. So, so you know, 17 of the 18 will be alternate shots. Um, there'll be different challenges. There'll be, you know, same, same as what we've had in the past, but there'll be hole in one holes. There'll be long drive holes. There's a drivable par four. Uh, but yeah, all shot modified alternate shot through, um, 14 holes, the scramble hole on 15. And then, uh, the, the finishing holes will be alternate shot as well. Okay. Uh, who I, I was kind of surprised to see at, at least <laughs> as of when I looked, uh, Steph, Stephen Curry and, and Peyton were a little bit the favorites here going in. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's not my bag, but I'm, I'm sure uh, you look at two good golfers, and I think everybody's idea is that Charles is going to put Phil in some really horrible <laughs> positions. But, you know, I think you take Charles off the tee box. Like, you can, you know, if you can accept a tee shot, the best tee shot, then they'll be strategic. You know, I think if Charles actually hits one in the fairway, you know, you definitely want to take that one. Uh, you kind of want Charles putting is what I'm guessing they'll do. That's just my own analysis. But ultimately, you just you want to take the pressure off him so he's putting. So I don't know. I, I think, you know, Phil, I, I still would go with Phil and Charles at this point. But who knows? I mean, that's that's uh, that's what's going to be so fun about this. Yeah, and, and I can't wait. You know, obviously, we've seen Curry in the web.com and, and a couple forays into professional golf where he's acquitted himself unbelievably well uh mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to watch him intimately over the course of a full day i, I think that's he, he is a perfect addition to this match and stealthy trash talker too i mean he is like he and peyton are gonna be great uh yeah you know, steph's got that you know nice guy i've been down on the floor i mean i've, I've heard him <laughs> on the floor before in nba games man he can he can really bring it on that front. So, and it, it's like, you want to be his friend too. And he's so nice and he's, he's a good looking guy. And he just, you don't expect it from, from him, but yeah, he's, he's already taken a few shots at Charles. So they're all going to have mics again. Same deal. We're going to have a little better system. Uh, we're not counting on rain obviously, but we'll have a little better system. This, this go around uh, with the earpieces, it won't be the cumbersome backpacks um, that we had the first time around. So I think that'll make things a lot easier for those guys to, to continuously be in communication with us and each other, more, more importantly, each other, where they can hear uh, all of them will wear microphones, of course, but uh, it, it won't require two packs 
one for the microphone, one for the IFB or the earpiece. Uh, it only re will require one pack. And then they'll have uh, little Bluetooth earpieces in, which we did a lot in the NBA bubble with players who were warming up. And so we've been able to test that technology. Uh, we had some really great moments in the NBA bubble pregame with, with two ways, with interviews. Um, and, you know, we were all saying at that time, man, this is going to be perfect for the match <laughs> yeah. because, um, you know, we ran into some troubles there with the, with all the rain and just guys, it was cumbersome in their ears. It kind of tugged, you know, it tugged on them a little bit in the back. So I think we've, we've gotten to a really good place with that. So I do believe that Steph Payton, all that, trash talking and that back and forth communication while they're in their carts is going to be even better than it was um, at the match two down in Florida. And one of the, I thought one of the highlights of the match two was Justin Thomas being kind of the Rover on course reporter. He, yes. he, he won't be involved here, but can you talk about, will there be anybody out on the course? And I'm sure you guys have some surprises maybe up your sleeve as, as far as the broadcast goes. I, you don't have to spoil those necessarily, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm happy to share it. Happy to break all that uh, with you, but no. I, um, so Part of the problem with Justin Thomas being so good his first time <laughs> yeah. around, and I give him a lot of credit too, because we, you know, it, it's not like you just show up and do that. And so we had a full rehearsal day the day before, and he was completely invested in it. And he listened to Amanda, and he listened to me, and we, we, and Trevor, and we really like were able to walk him through it in a specific, mechanically broadcasting way, mechanic you know, mechanics of broadcasting. And he, he took it and he ran with it. And he was awesome. The problem is everybody else is so scared to do it now because of the standard he set. Yeah. So we had a tough time, like getting any tour players, you know, especially over Thanksgiving. Sure. Um, so, so what we did was we we're going to have Gary McCord on the ground. Oh, cool. Nice. So Gary, Gary's back. And I've worked with Gary a few times at the PGAs in the past. And, you know, he, he's close by in Phoenix. We have to take into consideration travel as well. Uh, he'll be great. He'll be the perfect muse for those guys. And then we're going to bring in, you know, it's going to be Trevor and I in the booth, but Andre Iguodala is going to be in the booth with us. So Andre basically replaces Charles. And, you know, Andre knows Steph so well. They won championships together, former finals MVP and Iguodala. Um, and then there'll be a pregame set that'll have Kerry Champion. It'll have um, Eli Manning, um, which will be great for Peyton. <laughs> yeah. uh, Michelle Wee is a part of the show. Cheyenne Woods is with us. So we will have so many announcers. Um, but again, we're always going to defer to the competitors and their open microphones. And then we'll just kind of slip in when when we can or when it feels right. And so, you know, at any one time <clears throat> I'll, I'll be hosting obviously and kind of quarterbacking in and out of commercials and the promos. And there's a, there's a huge charitable aspect to this as well with feeding America with wheels up and their meals up program. And of course the big uh, beneficiary is going to be the HBCUs, the uh, historically black colleges and universities. So um, Stephen Curry famously has funded a golf program at Howard and, I think there's 17 colleges and universities we're going to be uh, making huge donations for. So there'll be that charitable aspect of it as well. So it's a lot to coordinate, but at the end of the day, the players will, you know, they'll have the focus and we'll have a lot of announcers and guest appearances popping in there that I, I won't share with you who those will be, but they'll be great. You'll enjoy that. Um, and so it, hopefully we'll just, we'll have some fun with it like we have in the past. And I've read, the executive producer, Brian Zurif, has signaled his hope, at least, is that the match finds a home on Black Friday, and this is, can become a year-over-year -year tradition. Uh, do you? I, 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 I imagine that would work well for you. I, it might disrupt some of your future Thanksgiving uh, plans, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I think speaking for just a golf fan and somebody who is usually in front of the TV, and, and that's that's can be a, a time when, hey, what's on what's on TV? I, I would love it if, if this finds a home in, in the Black Friday, uh, you know, that, that date going forward. Yeah, I, I like the date. I mean, obviously, it's going to be tough to match the ratings of 
the match too and <clears throat> on Memorial Day just because of, that was kind of the perfect storm where there wasn't anything on television there hadn't been really anything on television we were able to do the first bubble really um, and pull it off and you know I think people were starved for entertainment and that Black Friday uh, kind of fits in that you know where you're looking for something to watch it'll be four or five hours of programming um, you know I know Craig Berry my boss at TNT uh, and Turner Sports he you know, I, I know he's he's ratings conscious, but he's also entertainment conscious. And he comes from a world where his background with, uh, you know, his father at ABC Sports and and you got into the superstars and, uh, you know, the games that we kind of we grew up with my generation where you put actors and you put competitors from different uh, sports and you'd have them do different things. Well, this is kind of that version, but we're playing golf. So. I think it can have a strong place in the sports entertainment world. Um, I don't think you'd want to do it all the time. Once a year is probably good enough. But, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's got the right motives. For me, where it switched and where it makes it fun even even better is when you add the charitable aspect because that's something people can get behind. And, you know, when it – and there's a gambling aspect to, to it as well. But, you know, I think um, we get to see the game in a much different light especially when Phil's involved, you know, hopefully Tiger will be back involved uh, down the road. I know he, he loves the event and I know he's a big part of why it's here. Um, so, you know, obviously those two are, are huge draws, especially Tiger. Um, so yeah, I think it all depends on who's playing, you know, and who, and, and how it goes and how it's going to, how it's going to flow and who it's going to benefit. And if, um, you know, I think people are going to have some good laughs and be entertained by it. So I do like that Thanksgiving, that Friday after Thanksgiving window. Yeah. And, and it will be interesting. This being the first one without tiger, just to see what the perception is and the interest and, and if there's any fallout from him not being involved. Um, and I think you're exactly right about the charitable component. It, <laughs> I, the, I, I understand where the original match was trying to go with the, you know, what was it, $20 million or $18 million mm-hmm. winner-takes-all aspect. But, man, the, it as a casual viewer, I like I love, oh, of course I'll watch this. Oh, and they're raising all this money for, you know, Feeding America and HBCUs. Like, yeah, sign, sign me all up for that. I, I don't care about Tiger or Phil necessarily <laughs> adding – adding some zeros to their bank account. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's kind of where they, you know, that, that was a great move. Um, you know, w- when, when obviously we were in COVID relief for the second one, so that was different. And, you know, I still, I marvel at that to, to in one afternoon to raise $20 million. I mean, I think that number just passes over people mm-hmm. because they're seeing a lot of figures and all oh, these are really rich guys and they're playing and they're athletes and we had a lot of fun. Yes. But man, that was real money that, that served real purposes. Um, and I love that part of it. And uh, that's why I think it was such a, a huge hit. Again, it's going to be tough to match that um, just because of where that fit and the timing of it all. But I do think, uh, this will be one of those events that will always have that charitable component. Uh, uh, you know, Bleacher Report's going to be running a, a side-by-side with us. So, you know, we're adding to the mix, and there'll be a lot of ways to take this in. If you are into the into the gambling side of it, you'll be able to do that or the challenges that we'll have for these guys. So that's all, you know, we can serve a lot of a lot of audiences that way. And so, and just the competition. It's just fun when you put guys in positions um, that are a little unusual and to have Phil, uh, have to interact in the rain with Tom Brady was great. Yeah. I mean, that's not something that we're, you know, we'd be used to. And, and, uh, you know, the, the earpieces, the microphones, the cart cams, because they're in carts and they're going to be in their carts for a good part of, you know, they're not walking from shot to shot, but the carts actually allow, the players to get back and forth really quickly. So Phil can buzz over real fast and have a quick chat with Charles buzz back over to his ball. You know, so I really do like that part of it. So the, you can't really um, make that entertaining unless the car cams are in play. And we had a few, we had more, believe it or not, we had more cart cams. It was like three on each cart where we were really only able to use one uh, because of the rain. 
Uh, so I'm actually really excited about the card cams because I'm a technology nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so the card cams plus the drones and then to be able to like see the full picture as opposed to just, you know, like some random voices coming out uh, where you don't know exactly where that's coming from because, you know, we, our, our poor handheld guys were just getting soaked out there, you know, and equipment was falling apart and, even though it was great from, from the user's end, I mean, we had so much more planned uh, that we were really excited about that uh, we couldn't quite utilize. So I think we'll be able to finally do that this time around. Oh, awesome. That is that is excellent to hear. I'm very excited. I, is there anything else we need to cover match-wise? I'd, I'd love to ask you about your experience down in the bubble and uh, some of that other stuff, but I want to make sure we're not. I'm, I'm not overlooking anything. No, no, that that's it. You got it. We'll we'll have a, a little preview coming out. We're gonna record uh, this week, and I think that'll be fun. You'll get a taste of how these guys are gonna interact. But yeah, well, I think you you covered it all, man. So we're all <laughs> we're all in the planning mode, and you know what, whatever happens when we get down there, we have no idea how it's gonna go down. Um, but you know, yes, we're there to entertain, but but we're also there to to report, be journalists you know, to kind of report what's happening. So whatever happens, happens down there. So I think you got it all covered. Hey, everybody. Sorry to interrupt my conversation. I want to thank our other sponsor for this episode, Rain Sunglasses, spelled R-A-E-N. If you've seen our Tour Sauce Season 2 videos, uh, when we went to Scotland, you'll see me wearing my, my first pair of Rain Sunglasses all around. I had gotten those well before. It was... Uh, this partnership was was even a possibility, and I have to tell you, I've never gotten so many inquiries and questions about, hey, those are nice-looking sunglasses. What kind are those? And I would happily tell people, Rain, you know, check them out. They are super stylish. They're versatile. Uh, I think their handmade frames make all the difference. The craftsmanship is apparent in the way they look and feel. They have polarized, high-quality Carl Zeiss lenses which are the best in the industry. Uh, since that first pair, which were uh, the Wiley frames in tortoise and uh, with green, kind of greenish lenses, I've also gotten a pair of Arlo frames in matte black with black lenses. I, I love both of them. And right now, if you or somebody you're close to needs a pair of sunglasses, perhaps you're doing holiday shopping, I urge you to check out Rain Sunglasses. From November 22nd to November 30th, you can take advantage of their holiday sale and get 40% off site-wide. Do what I did. Get yourself a pair of rain sunglasses at rain.com slash trap draw between November 22nd and November 30th. Get 40% off site-wide. That's rain, R-A-E-N.com slash trap draw for 40% off between November 22nd and November 30th. Rain.com slash trap draw. Can't thank them enough for sponsoring this episode of The Trap Draw, and now back to my conversation with Brian Anderson. Uh, let me ask you about the NBA bubble, and I, I first want to ask you, were, were you in the same bubble atmosphere? Was the bubble the same for you as it was for the players? No, we were in the yellow zone, so the players were in the green zone. We were just outside of – we were on the Disney campus, but we had a separate hotel – and that hotel was us, so Turner Sports, ESPN, ESPN Radio, and NBA executives. So uh, NBA executives that wouldn't need to be inside with the players. So, uh, for example, various owners would show up. They didn't want to do the 10-day quarantine. They would come in. Pat Riley was on my floor. I okay. saw Pat every day, uh, which was strange, you know, uh, to walk outside. And, hey, Pat. But we were in the yellow zone and our, the beauty of our hotel and our scenario was we, we were connected to a golf course and that was one of the few things we could do. There was a, like a biking trail, walking bike trail. There was a golf course and there was a big pool and we sat out there every day and we just, we had a blast just being able to, you know, basically play golf and have lunch every day with guys like Mike Breen and uh, you know, people we wouldn't normally Mark Kestisher and Sean Kelly and the radio announcers guys, we wouldn't normally uh, be in the same place with. So um, ours was a little less restrictive, but at the same time it was hotel uh, to arena and that's it. So it, that's all, that's all we could do. And were you there for the duration? 
of not of, the duration. Okay. I wasn't there for the startup. I was there. I I got there for the play-in games, which we ended up not having a play-in game on Turner because of the way it, the East was. They it, they didn't require a play-in game. Um, so I was there six and a half weeks. So I was there through all uh, three of the four rounds of the playoffs, all, all the way up through the Western Conference Finals. And you got to call the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, uh, I believe first first time doing doing yes. a conference finals. Yeah, that's Marv Albert's gig. Yeah, in our company, and so Marv was not able to be there. You know, just because of his age precautions, and it's his seat, and and still is his seat. But uh, they, Kevin Harlan, also had NFL duties. So um, yeah, I ended up calling that with Chris Weber and Reggie Miller. It probably didn't surprise you that the Lakers ended up winning. Did you no. did <laughs> did you ever think it would go a, a different way? No, not at all. <laughs> they were so good. You know, I had the very first game. They lost to Portland in the very first round. And you're like, wait a minute. Remember Chuck famously had the broom? Like, oh, yeah. it's going to be a sweep. <laughs> but, boy, and I had my concerns about the Lakers after that first game. They just looked disjointed. They hadn't played well in the in the games leading up to – the playoffs, um, this, um, you know, in the bubble games, but that second game, you know, you got to see what they were all about. And then at that point it was like, okay, well, how long is each series going to go? And five was the magic number for them for the, in the West anyway, the first three series. Yeah. Uh, and, and I thought the finals, I, I was, I, you know, I, the, the heat, it was a great effort and, and an entertaining, uh, few games there, the, the clinching game, got away from him, which was yeah. a bit of a shame. But um, If yeah. only they played Andre Iguodala more, maybe. We'll, we'll <laughs> exactly. ask him about that. Exactly, time. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Miami, Miami was a lot better than most people thought. So, obviously, I'm in Milwaukee, and the Bucks got ousted by the Heat. Right. And there was a lot of discussion about the Bucks. Were they distracted? You know, they were the team that had the boycott. They were the first team, and, and then they lost to the Heat after they had uh, taken care of Orlando. I you know, I kept saying, I, I was on a lot of talk shows and whatnot, saying Miami is way better than people are giving them credit for. And so, yes, it was a disappointment that the Bucks lost as the top seed, but I think Miami uh, showed so well um, that they, I think a lot of people realize how balanced, how talented, had that dog mentality too, you know. Um, they, they're a really good team, and, mm-hmm. and they proved it. What's uh speaking of speaking of the Bucks? What's your temperature with respect to uh, Giannis and and the moves that they've made of of late here with uh, Drew Holiday acquisition? Do you have any sense into uh, you know <laughs> not not to put you on the spot, but I, I I hope for the sake of the game, I would love for Giannis to to stay in Milwaukee beyond next year. Well, I'll say this: I mean, it, and not just Drew Holiday, who by the way is one of my favorite. NBA players on and off the floor. I think that guy and his wife and his family, they're, they're the model. That's how you should be, how you should act, how you should perform, play, be involved in your community. He's the model. He is it. He is a great player uh, and a welcome addition into this community here in Milwaukee. He will be. Uh, but Bogdan Bogdanovich, too, man, that's, he's a deadly three-point shooter. He's a young guy that had a great year with Sacramento. So I'll say this. I, I do think – Giannis will sign long-term with the Bucks because of what they've done. If he doesn't, it won't be because they didn't put a team around him, which is kind of what you've been hearing. Giannis wants to wait and see if they're going to put a team around him. So, and that's fine. And I, that may be true, but they've done that, mm-hmm. you know, they've done that. And so uh, you can have, you couldn't have better additions under the salary structure they're in than to add Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. I mean, honestly, if you don't know about Bogdanovich, and a lot of people don't because he played in Sacramento, but this guy's a killer, man. He is a great shooter and a great player, and he's going to he's gonna be great for the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good addition. I, I was going to ask, you know, I know you have to follow the game being an announcer and, and working as much in, in NBA basketball as you do. I, do you have a – you know, I, I'm sure you're not supposed to have a favorite team. Or how, how much? How much are you like an NBA fan? Uh, how, how much is fan? How much is work? It, do you understand what I'm trying to yeah, trying to yeah, ask I here? Think, and I get that a lot. <laughs> are you too, a hoophead? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, what I would say about that is, when you go do the job, even in Major League Baseball, 
Um, you know, for me, calling Brewers games, I can still go do a Brewers playoff game on national television and not be a fan. Like, it's easy. And I know people find that hard to believe. Like, wow, he's rooting. We hear that all the time. Play-by-play -play announcers, sure, you're sure. you're rooting for this team. You're rooting. You're yeah. you're totally against the Yankees. And I usually like <laughs> put out all those those tweets or DMs from either side, both you know ripping me for being a homer. Yeah. But it's very easy to get into your job in the game. I mean, it's so hard to do this job uh, that you don't think about it that way. So I'll, I'll, what I'll say is, when I'm not on, when I'm not doing games or prepping for games. Of course, I'm a fan. And, you know, I'm a fan of the San Antonio Spurs. You know, I, sure. I was a huge fan of the, them before I started working for them. And then I spent 12 years working for them, eight of those on the air. I care about all those people there a lot. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Bucks. Mike Budenholzer and I go way back to the Spurs days. And I care about the Bucks and I want them to succeed. Same with the Brewers. Um, you know, I, I love the Toronto Raptors. So when I'm sitting around in fan mode, if I'm bumping around league pass, I'm going to land on the teams I like to watch. I love watching Steve Kerr and the Warriors, and I love uh, the Raptors. And, you know, I want the Spurs to win championships. But that doesn't affect uh, anything I do on the air. You just you, – it never even comes up in your brain because you're so just intense focused on – the next thing that's in front of you. So yes, uh, you know, always been a huge NBA fan, always been a huge baseball fan, all the sports golf. I mean, I watch it all. I, I I'm, I, I love just sitting back and bouncing around the channels. And now most of the guys announcing it are friends of mine. So I love checking them out. And, you know, I put the whole grid up on direct TV, you know, for the Sunday NFL package, I got yeah. all eight, I got all, and I'm just <laughs> bouncing around. So you don't ever watch a game the same once you've done what I do right. for as long as I've done it. You don't. You just don't watch it the same because, you know, you're you're looking at camera cuts and transitions and how the announcer sounds and, you know, because you've been in those positions. So you don't ever watch the game like that. But um, that's why I like Premier League soccer. Uh, so I, I'm a I'm a big Liverpool fan, and the reason I like. Premier League soccer because I know nothing about it. <laughs> and I just chose this Liverpool team a few years back because a friend of mine is a huge fan and they've had this incredible run. But, and I've been over there, I've been to Anfield and I've, I've watched, you know, games there and I, I can really be a fan for those. Cause I know nothing about it, know nothing about the broadcasting of it. And it's actually really great to be able to uh, enjoy a sport that way. Like I did when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Can you sing the You'll Never Walk Alone? Oh, I song? can't sing it all, but I, that was one of the most powerful moments I've ever experienced being in the stands for that uh, before they, you know, started the game. That was that was crazy. Uh, I, I have seen clips. Are you, correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't think I'm wrong, but I believe you're in the, you're going to be in the newest NBA 2K21 video game. Is, yes. is that, what? what's that experience yes, like? Yeah, how, 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 do, how do you... What's that process like? How do they get your voice into into a video game like that? Well, I can't give away all those secrets because they've uh, I've signed a big contract that says I won't. Okay. First of all, um, Kevin Harlan will remain uh, the play-by-play -play voice in the game as well, but they've added a second layer, a second announce team for the next-gen game. So um, you won't hear my voice on any of the older players, the current players. So uh, as you know, if you're a gamer – the PS5, the Xbox X, they're almost impossible to get right now. They almost, I mean, they sold out. They just were released early November. Uh, but PS5, Xbox X, I'll be on that game. Um, and I signed a multi-year deal with them to voice that over. So to answer your question, I spent, you know, over 100 hours calling different plays and scenarios and uh, my partner the new addition on the analyst side is Grant Hill and Ali LaForce is our reporter so we would all get together and have a back and forth just like we would during a game we would pick different you know topics subjects that would pop up during the game so you may hear those uh, during free throws and and you know tra transfer of a possession whatever um, but f because it was my first year, the the biggest swath of uh, what I had to record was just baseline plays, you know, 
random things like, and it goes out of bounds, right? Liquor ball. So I had to, you know, you got to do that for all the teams and all the baseline stuff. There's a steal, you know, there's a drive. And so that will fit obviously in the game, uh, you know, in certain areas, but that, that was kind of the biggest challenge. So I did a, a lot of it remotely. I did a lot of it in their studio in Northern California. Um, did a few things from the bubble, from my, my hotel room in the bubble, um, especially as coachy, coaches were named or fired. Uh, we did a little, a few tweaks there. And then, you know, it'll start up again probably in April. And then it'll be, I'll, I'll be voicing over uh, 2K22. So that's a, a really cool thing to be a part of. And uh, it was a perfect thing to actually do during the shutdown. Uh, I was recording a lot during the match too. You know, remember that the timing of that. So I, I had been recording up to that. Then we traveled down to Florida and then uh, came back and picked up the recording schedule from there. So usually two hour increments and uh, just kind of knock it out every day and, and try to imagine <laughs> games that you're seeing or calls that you've had. They, they actually, uh, they do a really good job making you feel comfortable and putting you in the game as if there was an actual game being played. So um, yeah, man, it, it was a great experience. I really enjoyed that. And I'm, I'm excited to be part of the 2K family for, you know, as long as they'll have me. Absolutely. Well, congrats. Um, Thank you. Let me, I, you, you mentioned that you played a ton of golf in the bubble. Did you have a favorite, uh, I guess, let me ask you this way. Did you have a consistent game? Who, who was the foursome? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I did. I think we, we had, um, you know, Craig Council is a good player, the manager of the Brewers, and while they were in shutdown mode, we played a lot. We've just – we also – Craig, because we live here in Wisconsin, we're, we're like the fall golf team, you know. Back in the day, it used to be Craig Council, Mike Maddox, when he was the Brewers pitching coach, and me, and we would play all over as many, as many rounds as we could get in before the big chill came. But, yeah, Craig's part of the game. Mike Budenholzer plays a lot of golf. Mike Budenholzer and I played – at Aaron Hills often Aaron Hills is about 15 minutes from my house uh that they are like family to me I I, I've known that course uh from its you know from its development uh the the original owner Bob Lang is a friend of mine so I've been part of that group for a long time just as an ambassador and uh, I lend my voice to a number of their projects so yeah I played more golf uh well what about in Orlando yeah well Uh, when you were playing Played in the bubble all the time. Okay. So we, in Orlando, in the bubble, it was Mike Breen and I, um, Sam Poulos, who is one of our our guys who works behind the scenes, um, kind of a he's a sideline producer, works with the sideline reporters. We played pretty much every other day, so we would have games every other day. So on the off days, we'd play. Chris Weber, Grant Hill, all those guys played. Uh, Greg Anthony, uh, Jim Jackson. That was kind of our group. Um, Mark Kestisher and Sean Kelly were two other guys that played a lot. So there was always a game, had a lot of guys from our graphics department that had never played that we ended up getting <laughs> on the practice tee and uh, teaching the game. And that was awesome that uh, all the the young guys and the young girls on our crew, that they they got bit by the golf bug, which was so great to experience them hit a ball on the face for the first time, you know. And Yeah. Um, we were at the, so we were at the Waldorf Astoria and, 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 you know, the golf world. So of course, you know, Brian Mogg, um, Brian is the director of instruction down there at the Waldorf Astoria golf club. And he and I go way back. He was actually a competitor, uh, in the professional game when I was covering golf back in the nationwide tour days. So, you know, I was funneling a lot of lessons <laughs> to him and we were, you know, it was great. It was, um, it, it was a really good time. I got my index down under three. Um, and then, you know, I played probably four or five times in October here in Wisconsin after the MLB postseason and didn't break 81. So now, now I got to go back to the drawing board and uh, pay attention to some of those lessons that, that, uh, I was giving everybody else. Who did, did Chris or Grant or, uh, I'm trying to, oh, Jimmy Jackson, did any of the, the, the ex players surprise you Were any of them, you know, oh, super competitive? They all, they all surprised me. They, they're yeah. competitive. They're fun though. I mean, you know, Greg Anthony, he's a really good player. He's a he's a low single-digit handicap. He's left-handed. Uh, and he's always got, like, the old 
school Motown tunes going in his cart. <laughs> so I love playing with GA because there's always a good vibe with GA. Uh, you know, Jimmy's a good player. Hits it really low. Like Jimmy, Jimmy could play in a gym. He, he, I don't think his apex is probably 20 feet high is probably his max apex. Um, but yeah. Uh, and Chris at, you know, at six eleven, Chris Weber, man, he's really got the bite. Um, he just needs new clubs. He need he needs a whole workup. He, I feel like he's using clubs out of a garage sale that, you know, it, the grip is the size of a baseball bat. Um, but he, he's got it and he's super athletic and he loves the game. He would practice every day. So, mm. and Grant's kind of the same way. Like Grant wants to get better. He's a member out at Isleworth. So, you know, he practices more than he plays. And I just, I've tried to move him more towards just, enjoying the game, you know, just right. go play the game, play the game and, um, you know, get yourself out of certain spots that you're into. And so, uh, we, I tried to get granted to the one plane swing a little bit just because of the way he sets up. He's already halfway there. Yeah. And so I said, you might as well just go full Mo Norman. Just, I sent him all these YouTube videos and said, here, man, just go do this. This'll you're already halfway there in your <laughs> setup. So, I mean, the ball feels like it's 10 feet away from him. Uh, it's set up. So that, that was a lot of fun, man. We had a blast. Uh, blast it. Have you ever played with Charles before? No, I never played with him, but I've been obviously on the course with him when he's played. And remember the, um, the 18 hole challenge that he had with, right. <laughs> with, with Justin Thomas. So, yeah. uh, he, he's fine. He, he's, um, you take the driver piece out of it. And actually, he'll he'll be fine. He'll um, we're not going to make him play from the back tees, um, but he's practicing a lot. He used to be pretty decent at one point. He was probably a high single digit at one point, but he has so much fun on the golf course. And I just want people to know we're because he knows this, but we're not laughing at Charles. We're laughing with him, and that's there's a big difference. And yes, we, we'll make fun of shots in his game, and he doesn't take it seriously. <laughs> Nobody wants to be made fun of, but. Uh, he takes it so well. And again, just what positions he's going to put lefty in is going to be, that's going to be worth it for me just to see where, where he's going to have Phil hitting shots from. I can't wait. Uh, yes. better, he better wear long pants. I think just cause he's maybe in the <laughs> desert a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, the, the last topic I want to cover with you, I was reading a really interesting article in which you were discussing the challenges to your profession, right, the, of broadcasting a game that the COVID situation has brought on. Mm -hmm. And specifically, you know, being separate from your broadcast partners by at least six feet in a lot of instances, you know, a, a plexiglass wall between you guys. And I and I thought it was, it was a, a really interesting look into – and it made me – realize, oh my gosh, there's there's so much more that goes into your job that we don't, we as a viewer aren't privy to. And so I, I found the article fascinating. I was just hoping you could talk about, you know, I guess first, how much and what types of communication you use in a typical broadcast, whether eye contact, hand signals, you know, this and that. And then the, the challenges and how difficult it is in the current environment where you're physically separated and oftentimes there's a, a physical barrier between you and, and a broadcast partner. Well, I'll, I'll start with the caveat that it's not, it's not um, hard. It's not hard. It's just different. And uh, the, the COVID protocols have created a world where we're not used to. So that that's okay. Like we've had to get used to it. Uh, the match two was the first bubble and we proved at the match two that we could function with plexiglass between us. We had this huge space. We, uh, you know, we had to keep everybody safe. It's not just the announcers either. We had to separate the, the tape ops and all the graphics folks. And, you know, that, that's really probably the bigger story is, is their world has been disrupted also. So instead of sitting shoulder to shoulder and being able to communicate really quickly, now you're in a completely separate truck um, because of you, you have to have some distance between you. And so they're dealing with a lot of that as well. Um, but for an announcer, you know, uh, we don't want the audience to feel all of that. So that's why it's, it's great when you say, I had no idea that that even happened. And that's, we, we want, 
that to be the case always. Uh, if you think of it like, um, you know, if you're watching a basketball game, you're kind of focused basically on the, sh- the ball going into the basket. But there's a lot of other stuff that goes on to to present that opportunity. There's back screens, back cuts. There's, you know, there's, there's motion, there's movement. Um, and so all that matters. And, and that's the same way it works in television where I don't need to be the one who has the big line in the big moment. Always. I, I, I usually am because I'm the play by play guy, but I don't have to be. What's more important is, um, can we look at each other and Trevor Immelman? And I think Trevor Immelman, by the way, is, is an ace to me. He's, he's got the chance to be the best golf analyst on television. If given the room to do that. And I've hit it off so well with him from our days working together at the PGA championship, because he does all those little things that most former players analysts don't do that. It's not natural for them. So, so the eye contact, the pointing, the motioning, you take it, I'll take it. All those little um, ineffable communications, uh, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, things that you wouldn't hear or see, but we're doing behind the scenes, kind of like the duck, you know, the old analogy of the duck up above the water, the duck's moving smoothly <laughs> below the water, the feet are paddling, you know, and that's what it is. And so we, that's, that's the energy of it. So even in a golf broadcast, which most would, would call, um, you know, kind of a, a slower, boring pace if you're not a golf fan. But, man, if you were ever in a golf broadcast, what goes on to even get you shots on the air is you'd be amazed. Like, you, it's chaos in there to just try to get from shot to shot to shot. So the best way I can put it is it's totally different. I can't tap Trevor on the shoulder he's, he's six feet away from me. So I have to do other things. Sometimes I have to throw wadded up paper at him. Sometimes I, (laughs) whatever, (laughs) drop something on the floor to get his attention. But, and the same with Charles when he's on the air with us and the same with Chris Weber. And we just have to communicate differently. And, um, and we're learning that and we're learning how to do that better and more efficiently. And because we have to, we have no choice. And so I don't want to like belabor the point because it's not hard and I think I don't want people listening to this saying, wow, well, you know, I've been out of work for six months. You deal with it. It's not that we, we do deal with it. Uh, it's just different for all of us. And when you've done something and your, you know, your muscle memory is a certain way, I've been doing this for, you know, almost 30 years on some level. It's when you have to change that uh, it's like playing golf left-handed. If you're a right-handed player, that's what it feels like in the beginning. Uh, like, man, everything is odd. The way it sounds, the way it looks, uh, the way it feels, the people next to me, all of it is different. And um, it's actually been a really good exercise for all of us um, to A, mind how we complain, mind how we talk about it, uh, be empathetic and sympathetic to those who are in struggles and everybody's position in our particular team, knowing that everybody's stretched. And let's see if we can collaborate in a much more robust way and pull this off. And that was the beauty of the match too, was it wasn't just our collaboration uh, in the truck and the production team and the announcers. It was the competitors, Phil and Tom Brady and Tiger and Peyton. They were as much involved in the execution of everything we were doing as anybody else, which was phenomenal. Uh, I, I love that more than any other event I've ever done, which is why I'm, you know, I'm so looking forward to this next one because they have to be involved in a certain way um, to make this work. And so that, that's been the, probably the long answer of the challenges, but, but the attitude that we've all taken on here during this pandemic. Oh, it's well said. And I appreciate, I, I appreciate the thoughtful response. You know, I said that was the last thing, but if if you don't mind, I have one more question. And I, while you were talking, it, it just uh, popped into my head. And that's the last time we talked. Obviously, was May. Since then, uh, and I don't know if you got a chance to to see him or hear him, but Phil has made a few appearances in the broadcasting booth at golf mm-hmm. events. And I am curious if you did have a chance to. To see him, I mean, it. it I, I think it blew us, no laying up away, just how natural and insightful um, he was. And I, I think the natural comparison was 
to a guy like Tony Romo, who kind of made that leap right from the you know competitor into the booth. Do you know is broadcasting something he sees for himself down the road? Do you have any insight there? And and more so, what what do you make of his performance? You know, I don't I don't have any insight to what he is thinking long term. What I'll say about that is. Um, Phil Mickelson is his own brand. So if he goes out and goes on the air and does some guest appearances, that's a much different thing than being the analyst every day, like a Nick Faldo, like a Trevor Immelman. That's a much different thing where, where you go from being interviewed and sharing experiences to now putting in the work to prepare uh, for the players, the golf course, I think, you know, Phil's always going to have knowledge of the golf course. Um, that what will be the determining factor, whether he wants to do golf on television or not, is if he is going to be willing to, and, and I, I like, I, I can't imagine Tiger Woods would ever want to do that. Jack Nicholas never want, wanted to do that. J- um, ben Crenshaw never really wanted to do that. And I don't know if Phil would want to do that or not, but you've got to spend a lot of time learning about these players and, you know, getting into their world and almost sacrificing your brand, mm-hmm. your big, your big name. Um, golf's different than any other sport. There are so many pieces involved. It's not just Tony Romo showing up with Jim Nance and Tracy Wolfson and having the freedom to, go through the plays as he wants because he knows the game, the rhythm of the game. That's not the case for a lead analyst in golf. Um, you have others that you have to defer to. There, there are certain individuals on certain holes. There are reporters on the course. There are, um, it's, it's a whole myriad of things. Like the way the puzzle pieces fit together, I don't know if I'm explaining this well. In golf, it's a major puzzle to stack. Think of it as an assembly line, right? And if you go in there and you disrupt the assembly line, all the bottles come crashing down. That means if you go too long on a particular shot and you talk too much or too, you may have great ideas um, and great thoughts. And Phil Mickelson certainly does, but man, that's not how golf works on television. You don't have the freedom between plays of an NFL game like Tony Romo does. So that would take incredible discipline. And I'm guessing, you know, anybody who ever does it for the first time, it's frustrating because I've had to train a lot of former players. um, Even in the golf world, we would always bring guys on, um, on the nationwide tour back in those days, we would bring guys on who thought they may want to do this. DA points comes to mind and trip Eisenhower, um, you know, Mario Tiziani, we would have those individuals like do broadcasting with us and it takes a lot. And so I don't know if he would want to do that because you would probably feel restricted Mm -hmm. and I'm sure Phil Mickelson would feel like I have a lot to say about everything. Like I can speak to anything that's happening right now, but Oh, come on. That doesn't sound like Phil at all. Come on. You may have five, five shots, you know, two of them are on tape. Maybe three of them are on tape and, there's no, you, there's no time to do all that. Like you have to find those windows. So yeah. he would be great for the industry. No question. But I think he can also be impactful for the industry on television, doing things like this mm-hmm. and, you know, the match and, and these one-offs. So, and being a guest, you know, having a guest appearance uh, like Jack does or Arnie did. Well, perfect. I'll, uh, I'll let you go there, Brian. Thank you so much. Uh, hopefully we get to do this again next year and, and we can make it a, a, at least an annual thing. Uh, the, the match champions for change will be Friday, November 27th, 3 PM on TNT, Stephen Curry and Peyton Manning versus Charles Barkley and Phil Mickelson. Uh, encourage everybody to check it out. Thank you so much for the time. I hope you are able to enjoy a bit of a Thanksgiving and best of luck this week in Arizona. All right, Randy. Always great to be with you, man. Keep up the great work over there at No Land Up. You guys are doing great. I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right. Now I'm your 
favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper. The absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 